TCIA is excited to announce that registration for the first ever TCI Virtual Summit is now open. This new TCIA signature event gives you access to education, exhibits, and engagement brought to you from a completely virtual platform. The TCI Virtual Summit 2021 can be accessed from any computer or tablet. Join us from Wednesday, January 13th to Friday, January 15th, 2021 to hear the best speakers in the industry engage with other arborists and tree care professionals. By registering for the TCI Virtual Summit, you will not only have access to the live event, but you will have access to the entire platform for 90 days after the event ends. To learn more about TCI Virtual Summit and how to register, visit us at summit.tcia.org. Steel is sponsoring 200 students to attend TCI Virtual Summit. This Steel scholarship is available to college students currently enrolled in arboriculture or another related program. These students will experience all the features our summit has to offer, but for free. To learn more about the Steel Student Scholarship, visit us at summit.tcia.org. Our sponsor for this episode is Steel Inc. We would like to thank Steel for making this episode with Mark Chisholm possible, as well as being a partner in education with us on various programs such as the Gear Up program and the Steel Student Scholarship. The tree care industry has stories and knowledge just waiting to be explored. We'll have a variety of expert guests and innovators from all corners of the industry sharing their stories and extensive knowledge on our show. On this episode of the TCI podcast, we sit down with Mark Chisholm and Amy Tatro to discuss careers in arboriculture part two. Mark is a third generation certified arborist with his family owned Aspen Tree Expert Company in New Jersey. His expertise in tree care has made him a sought after consultant and industry spokesperson for the world of arboriculture. And he regularly travels the globe to consult with international arborist associations and conducts educational sessions nationwide on behalf of Steel Inc. Additionally, he has won the International Society of Arboriculture New Jersey Chapter Tree Climbing Competition 21 of the last 22 years and won the ISA International Tree Climbing Championship in 1997, 2001, and in 2010. So I'm going to kind of flip the script on that a little bit and, and kind of going back in time again, but something maybe a little bit more positive. What are some of your favorite tree climbing memories? I'd love to hear some of these. <laughs> you know what's funny? And this is part of what makes me feel so good about talking to the younger folks who don't know what they want to do and are thinking of tree care. There's just so many countless memories around the industry, around tree climbing, around job sites that are just so fantastic that, you know, it's just hard for me to just grab one or two and say, this is my best memory. I have so many of them. I could, I could tell you things that stand out or, you know, on, on different fronts, for example, my first chance to climb a redwood tree was such a wonderful experience because it's a redwood tree, number one. And I grew up wanting to, to climb the most majestic tree, in my opinion, that's on the planet. Um, mm-hmm. and to be in a tree of that stature, the challenge of climbing a tree that's 300 foot tall and the size, the magnitude. But the first job I ever did on a redwood tree was with a group of people that were just fantastic. Uh, a gentleman, Jerry Baranek, brought us out there, collected people from different parts of the country, a lot from the West Coast. And we trimmed a, a majestic redwood known as the world famous treehouse. It's a, it's a kind wow. of a, uh, it's a historic spot on Highway um, 101 in Mendocino County, and and it's just uh, it's a tourist attraction. It has a has a like a big uh, area that you can go to, like next door that you can camp at. But the the tree itself has like a like a staircase in it with a doorway, 
and you walk into this down into this hollow and it's called the world famous treehouse because it's, it's the tallest one room house uh, based on Ripley's, believe it or not. So it's hollow. People live there inside the house. There was a group of guys um, when, when they were working on the, either the highway or the railroad locally, like way back when they lived in this tree. And um, it's a pretty cool thing. There's a souvenir shop built into the back of it. You walk through the tree to get into it. But that experience was was even brought to a higher level, not just what I just said so far, but we're doing it with a group of like-minded individuals, tree people. Jerry Berenik is like one of my favorite tree people in the world. He's just a great guy and does so much for, for just to help people and help them experience an experience like that. I mean, I can't thank him enough for everything he's done for me through the years in this regard. Um, but we would go work on the tree all day stay in the tree for eight, nine hours, all come out of it. Then we go to a, our camping spot and we stayed there and we would eat dinner together. We'd eat lunch together. We eat breakfast together. We tell stories. We couldn't get internet service. Phones didn't work. <laughs> it was just a great experience. You know, nowadays people feel a little anxiety when you talk about there's no phones, but I mean, it was just such a great thing for us. So that's one of my greatest experiences. But like I tell you, I could come off with, we started talking and sitting down and, and telling stories back and forth. The more just kind of kind of hit me based on something you say and, and back and forth. And before you know it, we're, we're a dozen stories deep with these great experiences. That is such a cool story. I love that. And I'm immediately going to go Google that tree as soon as we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend it. And it, it looks better. I was out there still a number of years ago from, from where we sit today, maybe about six or seven years ago. Um, which was probably maybe, let me guess, let me about, it's probably about seven years after we pruned this tree. We did a kind of like a wind kind of a reduction on the branches because they were starting to fail and their storms and such. And, um, and then we took out the deadwood, the major deadwood in this tree. And mm -hmm. I went back to visit it and it's so gratifying to see the tree looks like it reacted even better from what we did rather than the opposite. You know, wow. it looked like it was kind of declining. And then they go back, you know, six, eight years later, and the thing looks even better than it did uh, at that time uh, when we actually did the pruning. And so it feels good to, to use your craft to help a creature. I mean, the sign on the, on the tree says it's over 4,000 years old. Some guys locally there who know trees say it's probably more like two to 2,500, but still, to me, it's just amazing. That's a, a living creature that grew from, from basically nothing, and it's stands at 270 feet or something like that now and it's 33 feet wide at ground level it's just a massive tree <laughs> that is so impressive i like can't even picture it in my head yeah well go go google it it's there I, you're, gonna, you're gonna love it is that the largest tree that you've climbed or are there others um like size and stature wise yeah that's probably mm -hmm. the biggest tree i've climbed but not the tallest we did um I've climbed redwoods a handful of times. We climbed a really big one that time I went back to look at this tree to see how it was doing. We climbed a really big one up the street from there as well that was um, in a place called Confusion Hill, I think is the name of the, oh. another another kind of historic rest stop area. But it had a beautiful tree and we climbed it on a TV show, took a guy climbing. I actually just posted the pictures on my Instagram account because um, this guy, Eric Young, had a TV show and he wanted to do an extreme tree climb. and we let him climb this big redwood uh, with a friend of mine, Brian Noyes and I. And again, Jerry Baranek was, was instrumental in setting this whole uh, property up so we could climb the tree because you can't just go climb a redwood very easily. <laughs> um, and my good friend, 
Robert Phillips out in California helped and did the groundwork and uh, helped keep us uh, working in the tree safely. And anyway, it ended up being a cool TV show. It talked about preserving trees and all that and uh, was on the Science Network. Animal Planet, I think, had it as well. And it was a really cool thing. But the guy, Eric Young, is the current um, world champion heavyweight of wrestling right now. So you can see Eric Young is, is, uh, is there, <laughs> you know, so it <laughs> brought back the memory. And, but he's a really good guy, very skilled guy. I mean, he was able to climb a tree. We had him up 250 plus feet making pruning cuts at the time. And his Whoa. first time ever in a tree. Yeah. Wow. So uh, another, again, another good memory that just comes to mind that just was amazing but the tallest tree i ever climbed was a, was just a wreck climb with again with jerry and some other people my friend brian noise my father was there and we climbed a tree that we didn't measure exactly except with the length of ropes we use which isn't 100 percent accurate obviously but mm-hmm. uh, we figured the tree was around 330 feet tall 340 mm-hmm. feet tall wow where was that one um, that wasn't far off of where we were um, from where the treehouse was. It was further inland and off in a logging camp. And it was an area called Indian Falls, that section. I don't know exactly what town it was because it was down an old logging dirt road for a ways. And then we had to backpack our gear down uh, some rough terrain and around a waterfall, this Indian Falls. And then <laughs> it was just a whole grove of them. We just picked what we thought was the tallest tree standing on the ground. And when we got to the top of it, we look around, we're like, I think that one's taller and that one's taller. And we we just realized we weren't in the tallest tree, but it was still an amazing, fun climb. First branch was uh, just over 200 foot off the ground. Oh my gosh. What a cool experience. I think what's really striking me about everything that you're saying here is not just, you know, the tree climbing itself, but the entire experience around it, like the adventure, if you will, not only creating community with those folks, you know, that you're camping with or, or backpacking with, but just that you're going off sort of into these new places and into these new experiences to really create something memorable around climbing. Yep. And it, and it actually, again, ties and, and you, you tie that into everything tree care related that it's in your life, no matter where you are and you can draw on it. And it just helps you stay even more connected, more passionate about what we're doing, having these memories and looking to what is the next memory. And the coolest part about it for me is that these experiences, when I think back on them, I think about how they came to be. And I think of people like Jerry Baranek or Robert Phillips or people who went out of their way to do something they know was going to be a great experience for other people. And they were happy to do that. And I think that's part of the greatest things you can do in life is to be able to uh, give some type of experience or joy to someone and it's something that I'm really passionate about now in the stage that I am in, in this, in this industry and in life in general is just trying to, you know, help someone else enjoy things to a higher level. And whenever I do an event of any sorts, whether it's, you know, doing a helping at a climbing championship, speaking at, at a conference or teaching a class, uh, part of the thing I always want to do is, you know, one of my boxes I check is, try to help people understand how enjoyable work is this industry is and help them go back and actually feel more rewarded doing what we do, you know, and that's not always that easy to do, but it's easier than most people think I find. And I think back to when I was young and who did that for me and how they did that for me. Now it really drives what I try to do whenever I have that opportunity myself. 
It's really um, fantastic that you bring that into the industry, um, not only with your experience and your skill set and your successes, but sort of your dedication to those students. I've seen you at TCI Expo engaging with them and just the level um, of engagement that you bring to those conversations and the excitement that it gives to the students is really, it's really kind of wonderful to watch um, from the sidelines. And I'm sure that those kids are really, really stoked (laughs) when they leave and they (laughs) not only spoken with you, but you've given them such great advice around the industry. So. Well, thank you, Amy. I appreciate that. It means a lot. I'm curious as well. We talked a little bit about um, some of your memories as far as like out in the world. What about competition? You've done, you've been in the competition world for a really long time. Do you have some of your favorite memories from that space? I do. You know, I, I, again, I could, I could sit here and talk for hours about just the memories around the competition. And more importantly, so many of my memories in the competition and around the competition, just like the expo, just like these, these, um, these classes I've taught and things I've done in different parts of the world, they're all tied to people for me, you know, and it's kind of a funny progression. You don't know it, but like for me, for example, when I started competing, the first competition I ever did was because other people told me, come out and try this. You're a good climber. I was young. They were like, come, they wanted me to see how I did in the competition setting, like against them. And it was all like for just for fun and, and uh, see what you can do and, and all that. So they got me out there and my first event at New Jersey, I placed fifth, which was a really good placing, but I was really not satisfied with my performance because I made some errors that I was embarrassed about. And I didn't really care about whether I won or not. It was more about, I can do better for these guys who are with me, who are my mentors, who taught me. I know I can climb better, and I'm, I was kind of embarrassed. So it made me want to come back, and that's kind of what, where it started. And then it transferred into uh, the transition went to, well, if you do good next year, you get a trip to California to meet more people and compete out there <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the, you know, the world championship, the ITCC. So I've never been – you know, around too many places traveling at that point in my life. And I said, that sounds really fun. I get a free trip. Cool. Competed, uh, placed second in New Jersey at that time, two people would go from each chapter, but you had to pay your own way, which I was happy to do. Uh, and I went to California and I didn't say this, but my first competition was local. Uh, world championship was in Philadelphia. It was an hour and away from my house. I drove there, stayed overnight, did the competition same outcome as my first New Jersey championship in that I was embarrassed. I placed, I don't remember the exact placing, but I'm going to go back and look at it because it's come up a few times now, but I want to say there was only around 30 something competitors. And I think I placed in like the 27, 28 kind of number. I was mm-hmm. on the top end of, you know, bottom of the, of, of the group pretty much. Uh, I had some pretty embarrassing climbs, an aerial rescue I'll never forget where my throw line went up like a, like a ball of spaghetti and your clock is running and you can't, you got to try to think through these issues. And one memory there that stands out was I came out of that climb and a gentleman uh, who some people in the industry know by the name of Sam Noonan, he's from California He's a two-time world champion from, from uh, back in the, in the late 70s and such. And he came up to me. He said, he said, don't you quit. He says, you come back next year. He says, you got a lot of raw skill and a lot of talent. You had bad luck here. He says, don't you forget. He says, you come back or I'm going to come looking for you. And he smiled. And Sam's a big guy. So I was a little nervous and a little happy he said so. And I sure <laughs> as heck wanted to come back. So he didn't have to come hunt me down. And 
And that, it kind of <laughs> gave me, again, it was that reaching out. Like I was at a point where I was really frustrated down on myself and somebody who I didn't know reaches out to me who's a world champion climber and tells me, come back, I've got what it takes. And it just boosted me up immediately. So that th those experiences went from, I'm going to go challenge myself against my mentors, see what I can do in a competition setting. Cause I am a competitive individual. I was before I did tree climbing and sports and stuff. But um, so this kind of gave me that outlet there. And then it went into, I'm going to get a free trip and see a different part of the world. And I'm, you know, 19, 20, 21, 22, and I'm seeing different parts. I never would see without this, this venue. And then it almost turned into, Hey, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. This I could probably get pretty good at this event if I practice a little bit and try harder. So then it was about competition. And then immediately it switched into, I want to go back and see these people. I want to see this group. I won't see these climbers and these people from this, part of the world unless I come and do this. And then it was about, man, that was a great memory. I want more of this. So it was like a transition. Something always was changing to make me want to come back. And it was, it was kind of like stacking on top, not replacing, but actually all getting bigger and bigger and making me feel even more rewarded by being a part of it. It wasn't even about winning, honestly, at all. You know, I'm competitive, like I said, but my favorite memories, going back to your original part of the question, one of my favorite memories ever in the competition landscape are times like where Sam Noonan reached out and I just had a horrible climb and I was able to, you know, come walk away with a feeling of, Hey, I'm going to come back. I'm not going to let this beat me. Um, but a specific climb, for example, one of my favorites was uh, we did a competition in, in Hawaii and obviously the setting is beautiful there. The trees are, are majestic. And I was able to bring my family and my, my young kids at the time to this event and experience that event. And one of my favorite climbs of all time was a master's challenge there. And I didn't even win it. I took second place there. And I'm just, it's one of my favorite climbs of all time. That's really awesome. I liked what you were saying, um, kind of going back. It, that's a cool memory. First of all, Hawaii, like epic. That just sounds like such yeah. a great experience, right? Yeah. But I really liked what you were saying too about sort of the different layers of your experience that when you started climbing, it was sort of the first layer. And that's what propelled you to sort of the next space and then you learned something there and that became sort of the next layer and you're just kind of building on top of one another to really create yeah, and I'm um, just, your space yeah yeah and I'm actually just sitting here as you're saying that feeling really grateful that somebody instilled that 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 desire in me to not give up whether it was the the, the hand extended by people like Sam Noonan or it came from my family and my father and and everyone around me, my brother, and then uh, into my wife and everybody else telling me to not give up when things got tough or got hard or, you know, uh, seemed like it didn't fit in anymore. You know, so all these different things helped me to, to just realize, like, now looking back, like you saying, you're stacking layers to make things even more rewarding, more worthwhile, even through the challenges and the difficult times, it was definitely still way worth it. Yeah, I love that. I think that if, um, that's one of my biggest takeaways from this conversation so far. And I would, I would encourage students and young people getting into this industry um, to think of that as well. Just, just keep on keeping on, know that you're going to make mistakes and, and be resilient. Yeah, for sure. So I guess, again, kind of flipping it a little bit there. Obviously, one of your skills is your resiliency and your ability to sort of um, keep going. If you could have a different superpower or an additional superpower in related to the tree character stream, what would it be? Can you tell I just watched like some Marvel movies? I want to know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's funny. I, I like that. And, um, 
Yeah, this this kind of question come, has come up in the past, and and, it, and it's kind of to me like one of the things I look at, like what's made me successful in the workplace, for example, is I feel like I've gained a superpower. I wasn't born with it, and I think that's a message you gotta. If you're young, you gotta think about you you develop this sort of superpower, if you will. But um, what I've learned to do to be really good at what I what I do on a job site is I have this, this knack or this superpower of being able to look at a tree that, that needs to be removed and find a, a solution that's ultimately never crosses the line of safety, but is super effective and efficient where I can just see only steps that are necessary to get the tree on the ground safely. And I don't, I don't take extra steps where when I was younger and learning, I kind of got into these these kind of like traps of doing things the same way over and over again, meaning, okay, rope all the brush off, drop the stick, or rope some wood down, drop the stick, and into the space and know you were good. And what I learned to do, which became now my superpower, is I'll walk on a job site with some of my guys who are really skilled arborists in their own right, who do jobs without me even being there fantastically, you know, come off great. And I'll walk up and they'll say, I'll say, what are you guys going to do here? And they'll say, Oh, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And I'll say, I'll look at something totally from a different perspective and say, what if we take that tree and just actually pull it back there and just drop the whole thing, for example, or take one branch off and then we can swing that over there. And so I'll see these solutions that are just minus a lot of steps that I normally would have taken, uh, you know, years prior. Oh, that's really interesting. The superpower, it makes me feel really like it. And, you know, it goes beyond making money. It goes beyond just being safe and effective or trying to impress, you know, your coworkers, your crew, your company, whoever. It, it actually is a is kind of a, a fun thing for me personally to, to use creativity to solve problems. And I think, you know, it's immediate gratification when you say, hey, you know, this tree is super dangerous. People are worried about climbing it. And I say, well, you know, we can use the neighboring trees to set up a high line and tie into it. And then we're totally safe. And it's only going to take a few minutes with a throw line, and some rope to set it up. And next thing you know, you got this creative solution that, you know, isn't really very apparent to most people. And it just makes me feel really kind of um, rewarded in the creativity side of things, which to me keeps you interested and passionate as well. Yeah, that's not a word that I typically associate with the tree care industry, the creativity, but you're so right. Being able to think sort of outside the box is definitely a superpower. Yeah. And I think the more invested you become and the more you learn from other people and you have that open mind where when I go to an event, like just to say it over and over again, because it's one of it, it's <laughs> probably the most important event I've ever been a part of is, is TCI Expo in that regard is I go to a class and I sit in as a student, 100%. I'm not there to judge anybody. I'm not there to measure myself. I'm there to gain some knowledge, something I can go home with and say, you know, remind me of something or give me something new that's going to make me better for tomorrow on some fashion. And I think that open mind is what allows you to, to gain that level of creativity where you're, you're not stuck in your own ego. You're not saying anything like that. You're just saying, um, I'm going to keep progressing, uh, you know, for the rest of my career. And I think that again that maybe that's the superpower even more than the one i think mm. is the most valuable you know is, is having that perspective and that open mind 
I really love that. I feel like that you just hit the nail on the head right there <laughs> in a really succinct, uh, clear way. <laughs> let's, let's edit out the first thing I said then, and we'll just put this as the superpower. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, you got that? <laughs> I got it. Yeah, just joking. Just joking, Joe. I'm 100% <laughs> genuine, you know, and authentic here. You can put everything in there. Actually, sort of speaking of, because I know we're sort of dwindling down on time here, I guess um, those are a lot of my questions that I know that Joe and I wanted to ask. Mark, do you have anything else that maybe we didn't touch base on or that you wanted to share or speak to? Yeah, I mean, you know, common questions I get a lot, especially late, is ways that people can get more involved, ways people can get more active, ways they can can kind of do something different than they are today. And I and I I feel again, one of the things that gives me so much like joy and, and gratitude in helping people become better or more invested in this industry and talk about this industry is at a, such a, you know, high level as I do is because you really don't have limitations like other career choices limit you. You know, for example, I'm sitting here today and maybe I'm the best tree climber in the world. I'm not saying I am, but it's just, you know, it's a far, it's a far stretch. I think we can stay go there. With me. <laughs> just stay with me. So now, <laughs> Maybe five years from now, I'm feeling like this isn't all I have to offer or my greatest gift to the industry. And maybe now I want to be a safety trainer. Boom. You can do that. There's no reason you can't. It's easy to transition from, from one part of the industry to another, to another throughout your entire career. Maybe in 10 years, you want to be a salesperson, or maybe you want to, you want to uh, become a manager and you're going to, you're going to do the business side of things. I mean, there's just there's so many things you can do within the industry. If you have a love for tree care and, and the community, you don't have to be a tree climber to enjoy it. And you don't have to be whatever you are today for the rest of your career either. You can always kind of shift. And that to me gives me a lot of sense of freedom and a lot of sense of joy and gratitude. Being able to, to see that is that, you know, you're never really stuck. Even though I get a lot of people asking me, like, I feel stuck right now. How do I get more involved? You, how did you get involved with steel and, you know, all these different things? And I say, listen, I said, it's just about trying to see what is going to make you happy and what gifts you have to give to other people. And once you can tap into that, I mean, there's just no limits. Yeah, there's a lot of possibilities. That was a really, um, really good point. I appreciate you bringing that up. I actually wanted to ask as well, if you could speak a little bit to your relationship with steel. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I mean, I started working... With steel, uh, let's see, we, we actually, believe it or not, we, we ag- agreed on working together officially at TCI Expo in 2001. Nice. Yep, that was where we <laughs> actually officially at Expo. said it. <laughs> it was. Expo, Expo and I have a lot of history together and a lot of great memories on so many levels. That's why I'm sad it wasn't uh, going to going to be in the cards this year but i'm looking forward to next year I but know. uh not i don't want to be the debbie down in here let's just uh, bypass <laughs> that but um but yeah so my relationship with steel started then and it was again it was a natural fit for me and for steel in that when we first started talking about what we hope to do it was the same things that I'm, I'm still doing to this day and from steel's perspective they wanted to give back to the industry. They wanted to help the community because they say a smarter, safer, more uh, gratified uh, worker or arborist is a better customer as well. So on the business side, it's a smart move on their behalf. But they genuinely just like seeing uh, lending a hand and helping the industry grow. They just want to be a part of that 
that movement to raise the bar higher. And I think it, it kind of comes down to an alignment of values and that like what I learned about the company of and the people of steel is that they all want to have that same kind of um, um, that desire to grow and improve and, and become better today, not be satisfied on so many fronts, whether that's, you know, making a better product or becoming, you know, more active in, in the community or becoming, you know, um, better on, on the environmental standpoint as a manufacturer. I think that is something I can, I can grasp onto because it's exactly the same way that I function as a person and, and as an arborist uh, daily. So when we decided to do um, this relationship that we had way back when, the reason it worked for so long and still works fantastically is we have an alignment of values and, they're not about our own betterment as much as it is about what we can do to help other people. And I think that's what really uh, works for us. Um, I do, obviously I do a lot of trainings. Uh, I do a lot of educational things. And one thing we discuss uh, all my friends at Steel and I is we, we want to check some boxes to decide what are we, what are we going to do this year, next month, what have you. And for me, one thing that's always been important to me is, is if I'm talking to my pro professional colleagues, I want to help make them safer, more effective and have more fun doing what we do. Because I think that's the three things that if you got that every day at work is a great day. And if I'm talking to the public, the general public who aren't professionals, I'm trying to help them understand that trees are super important. Their value is, is enormous. Um, professionals need to care for trees because trees need to be cared for. And if I can, and, and the last part of the third message for the, for that group is we are very professional as a group. I don't like being, uh, you know, I don't like the light being shined on us as being unprofessional mm-hmm. risk takers, not, not, not protecting ourselves, doing, doing harm to the property. I, I don't like any of those messages. So those are my boxes on those two fronts. And if I can check some of those, I'm all in and I'm I'm 100% ready to do it uh, when somebody does ask. That's great. I think it's it's really interesting how it sort of comes full circle. Um, we're at the beginning of this conversation, we were talking about how when you're as a young person, you're going to work for a company that you really want to do, do your due diligence and you want to surround yourself with professionals and like-minded people who are going to help you. And I think that's exactly what you've also done with Steel. So it was really interesting to hear you kind of bring that around full circle that that's something that you really hold true to yourself and all the different aspects of your life related to the industry. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, obviously I'm, like I said that word many, many times. I'm very grateful for the path I chose the way it was sh- the chaperoning everyone did the mentorships I've had in my life and uh, the, the partnerships that I've created uh, on the friendly uh, front and also professional front. It's just been it's been hundred percent gratifying for me and I'm, I'm still sitting here how many years into this industry, you know, um, and I'm still wanting to do more and be a bigger part of the industry next year than I was this year and the year prior. Perfect. We'll need it in 2021. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> awesome. Um, so I'm going to kind of hand it back over to Joe here and see if there's anything else that he needs from either of us. I have a question that's just, been on my own mind and feel free to answer it or not answer it but like you're kind of a superstar in the tree care world and I remember coming in I started TCA in like September of 2018 and I immediately went to expo afterwards and one of the big things everybody kept pointing out was like that's Mark 
like he's and i was like i, I, I don't know who that is guys like i just i just got here but you had you had such a big following even within you know tcia there's so many fans of you here and i was like none of these guys even ever worked in the tree care industry how does that is that kind of a surreal feeling to you Honestly, I don't see it. Uh, I, you know, I, 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 I've been set. Uh, people have told me things like this before, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. <laughs> I don't think I'm that big of a deal. I'm, I don't mean to disappoint anybody, but you know, at the end of the day, I think, I think what, what people are attracted to or, or they can sense when someone is authentic and likes what they do or loves what they do, like in my case, and they want to be around people who, enjoy what they do, have a good attitude and can help, help them and help them for the right reasons. Like, you know, when you're, when you find that in people, you just kind of gravitate towards them. So if, if I give that to people, uh, I, I thank them because they're doing more good for me than I'm doing for them. And one story I'll leave you with here on the same exact uh, train of thought is there's a young guy, I'm not going to name him cause I don't want to embarrass him, but there's a young guy who came to work for me as a recommendation from a friend as an internship, just out of high school, uh, came to our company, moved from out of state, um, came down and worked at our company. And one of the, the things I was able to do for him is he, he came to me two years in a row while he was on break. He's in college right now going uh, through his classes for urban forestry and, and other things. And he said to me, he says, I want to, is it okay if I come back, you know, this summer again and work for you again? And I said, no. He says, what do you mean, though? <laughs> he says, you don't want me to come? I said, yeah, I absolutely want you to come. I said, but I want more for you than, than you to just experience the same thing every, every chance you get. I said, I said, if you had to dream big, what, where in the world or what would you want to do? Even reach outside the box and think, what is the most amazing experience you, can, you could see in your eyes you know, when you close them it, it wrapped around the tree care industry at all? And he said, I don't know. He said, and he said to me, he said, you just came back from New Zealand. I was there doing some training there uh, with steel in New Zealand. And he said, how about New Zealand? I said, done. I said, you want to work in New Zealand next summer? I said, get your visa, get your approval from your parents. And I said, come back to me. I said, when I know you're serious, we'll go to work. He came back to me shortly with everything I asked of him. I made one phone call and that's the beauty of this industry to a gentleman in New Zealand. And he said, I'll take care of him, send him over. He took care of him for the whole summer. He did his internship there. And one thing I told these guys, my friend Chris in New Zealand, I said, Chris, you're, you're going to love this kid. I said, he's going to be a great benefit to you. You're doing him a huge, huge favor, which does me a huge favor. I said, but you're going you're gonna to miss him when he goes. You're going to want him to stay. I guarantee it. And sure enough, he said, as soon as he met him, he said, he's a great young lad. Then when it was time to go, his, the whole company didn't want to see him go. And he came back. He had all these pictures and he thanked me. And I said to him, I said, look, I said, you don't owe me anything. I said, I'm happy to do this for you. And I said, truth is, I said, I'm probably happier than you are. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, but that's the beauty of the industry. You literally, if you get involved, you don't have to be as active as I am. Like you could be this young, this young guy who's persistent. He can make the phone call for himself when he finds out who he should call and ask, can I come work there for the summer? I guarantee it'll happen. The industry is that like open to, and, and they have their arms open to bring people in and they want to help one another. And it's, it's just a great industry to be a part of period. Couldn't have said it better myself. I think that's a, a good spot to end too. Because <laughs> Gonna ask better. So, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. 
Oh, it's my pleasure, guys. You know, again, this, these are the things I really enjoy to do because it gives me a chance to not only remind myself of the great things I've done, um, but what, what a great industry it is and to, to share that and help people see it. You know, I mean, uh, I think uh, I hope more and more people keep doing that because we we could use more people in the industry and it is such a great industry to be a part of. Thank you for listening to the TCIA podcast. We'll be taking a brief break through December to prepare for season two. But don't worry, we'll be back in January 2021 with brand new guests, brand new topics, and even a sponsor or two. The TCIA podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from. To learn more about the podcast or to listen to previous episodes, visit us at podcast.tcia.org.